Amen. It was good singing. Great to hear you singing out the praises of the Lord. We're going to turn for our scripture reading to the 42nd Psalm, the book of the Psalms, and the Psalm numbered 42. Turning together to the 42nd Psalm, and it's not clear from the title who the writer of the psalm was, but we know who the psalm was to. It was to the chief musician, Maskell, for the sons of Korah. And so the Psalm 42 and the verse 1. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, Why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. May the Lord bless the reading of this 42nd Psalm to each one of our hearts this Lord's Day morning. Amen. We're turning together once again in God's Word to the psalm that we have read together, and that's the psalm numbered 42, the 42nd psalm. As we look at this psalm together, I would draw your attention particularly to the verse 11, the final verse. And we read in that final verse, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. You could also look at the similar words in verse 5. 
Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Glancing into the next psalm, Psalm 43, which is really an appendix to the Psalm 42. And you can see again the fifth verse. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. And what we're seeing here in this psalm is the thirsty soul. And that's the thought that I want us to consider together this morning, the thirsty soul. Let's just unite in prayer. Ask the Lord for help in the ministry of his word. Our gracious God and our loving Father, we do praise thee that we have the scriptures of truth to turn to. And we thank thee, our Father, for the inspired record. And we pray that as we would look to it, that thou would shut us into thy presence and that each one of us would know the still small voice of God speaking to our hearts. Give us help, O God, from heaven. Pour out that spirit of wisdom and of understanding upon us and glorify thy name in and through us. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. The Bible commentator Alexander McLaren He said of the Psalm 42, This whole psalm reads like the sob of a wounded heart. The sob of a wounded heart. And it's certainly a psalm of anguish. There is anguish of soul within the words of this psalm. As you would read down it slowly, you would have to come to that conclusion that it's a cry from the innermost being of the psalmist. It's the psalmist who is seeking and who is searching for the Lord. And the words of the psalm really deal with the reality of life. Life with all of its hardships. And life with all of its struggles. Those times whenever things seem to go terribly wrong. And that can be very true to the experiences of life that we would encounter. And what we witness around us in this world. Do you know those times whenever the global pandemic strikes. And we have never experienced the like of it before. Those times whenever we witness the earthquake as such as was in Turkey and in Syria in recent times and so many thousands of lives are lost. Times whenever two trains collide head on in Greece. Again, dozens of lives are lost. And questions arise within hearts. There are doubts. There are fears. And people can say, where is the Lord? Maybe not so much on the global scale, maybe just on the personal scale. And we can be on the mountaintop and we can be singing the praises of the Lord and suddenly we find such a change 
And we can find ourselves plunged into the valley of despair and sickness and sorrow can come. And those questions arise. Where is the Lord? The psalmist is at a low ebb here. We find him at a very low point and it was a dark period in his life. He finds himself in the valley. It was a very personal time of trial uh, spiritually in the life of the psalmist. For we find here that he's crying out after the Lord. And it seems that he has that difficulty in being assured of the Lord's presence and being able to enter into fellowship with the Lord. And he says there that he's thirsting after the Lord. Thirsting soul. That's the thought I want us to consider. This episode in the life of the psalmist. And firstly, we think together about the experience of the psalmist. When you look at our verse of Scripture, verse 11, he says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? And his experience here is of being cast down and of his soul being disquieted within him. And whenever you take the psalm as a whole and you look really at an overview of the psalm, it reveals to us why. Why the psalmist is so cast down. The psalm will bring out something of his circumstances and the experience that he's going through. We can see it was a time of drought, certainly spiritually. In those opening verses, he says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. And here is that time of the thirsting of his soul. There's something there of a spiritual thirst within the heart and soul of the psalmist. Spiritual drought. And he uses the illustration of the heart, the deer. And you think of that particular animal, and it's so fast and so fleeting, it's so nimble on its feet. I was in a local uh, park recently. It's Gosford Forest Park, and they have a whole enclosure there filled with deer, and you can see them there close up, magnificent creatures. But they're creatures that are often hunted. And we find that they're often chased. And whenever the deer of the heart is hunted and it's chased and it has to run for a long time, it's going to end up weary and exhausted and thirsty. That's the picture that's here. The heart is panting after the water brooks. And spiritually, that's just where the psalmist finds himself. And while we don't know for certain who the writer of this psalm was, if it was David, we know that there were many times when David had to flee and David was chased down and David was hunted and at times he felt that weariness and that exhaustion uh, both physically and mentally. And his soul was thirsty. There was a spiritual dryness and a drought. 
He experienced it. And the soul can. The soul can pass through such times. Times when our souls are experiencing that spiritual drought and that dryness. And we're crying out, as it were, to the Lord. Just as the heart panteth after the water brooks, our soul is panting after the Lord. He experienced drought. It would seem from the details of the psalm that he also experienced that distance spiritually. At the end of verse 2, he asked the question, When shall I come and appear before God? And those words would suggest to us that he was far off from the Lord. It seemed that way to the psalmist. When shall I come and appear? He's speaking as if he's, he's at that distance. He felt far off. In the verse 4, he could relate to former times of blessedness. He says, when I remember these things, I I poured out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day. And the psalmist could look to those times when he rejoiced and he praised the Lord in going to the house of God and in keeping the holy day and the blessing of God was upon him. He could look back to those days, but the days of blessedness have turned to days of bitterness of heart and soul. And he feels as if he's he's far away from that. It has affected him. You could compare the words of verse 6 there relating to his location, his position. He said, O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar. And Jordan in the Bible speaks, of course, of death. And the Hermonites here, the Mount Hermon, and it would be the very source of the Jordan. And Mizar, that word refers to a little hill. And you can picture the psalmist there, and it seems as if he's far away from the Lord and far away from the house of God. And he's there at the Jordan, and he's sitting on a little hill. And literally and spiritually, he feels far away. That can be the experience. Then he's a child of God can pass through spiritual drought, spiritual distance. Then notice his experience of distress as well. In Psalm 42 and the verse 3, he makes reference to his tears. And he says, My tears have been my meat day and night. Tears. And he's referred to as thirsting. And here in that third verse, he refers to his meat. That's his food, his daily food. And it would appear from those words that he had no real appetite for food. He says, my tears have been my food. My tears have been my meat. Notice how long those tears went on. He said it was day and night. 
going through a time of distress. That was the experience of the psalmist. You look again at the psalm, you can see he experienced the depths. Verse 7 of the psalm, he referred to those depths. And he said, Deep calleth on to deep at the noise of thy water spouts. Deep was calling on to deep. That's poetical language being used. But it's so descriptive of the experience as to how the psalmist felt. When he looked at the circumstances outwardly, it felt to him he was in the depths. And when he looked at the circumstances inwardly to his own heart and to his own soul, he felt the depths there. And he said, deep is calling on to deep. F.B. Meyer, he interprets the phrase as the depths of God answering to the depths of human need. Deep was calling on to deep. The depth of his sorrow was being met by the depths of God's love and God's grace. F.B. Meyer spoke about the deep of divine redemption calls to the deep of human need. The deep of Christ's wealth calls to the deep of the saint's poverty. The deep of the Holy Spirit calls to the deep of the church's prayer. You find yourself today in the depths. You think about the depths of God's love, the depths of his grace and the depths of his mercy. The depths of our sorrow are met, they're answered by the depths of the riches that we have in the Lord our God. Maybe today you can relate to the experience of the psalmist. You can see within what he has been going through similar experience. Secondly, I want you to think about the examination of the psalmist. And in that verse 11 that we're really taking the center our thoughts around, he, he moves there from his experience to his examination. And in the second part of verse 11, he says, Hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. He's been asking these questions by way of self-examination. In fact, he's been using that little word. Little word, why? Why? Why art thou cast down? Why art thou disquieted? I noticed in the reading of the psalm, that little word, why, appears at least six times. It's twice there in verse 5. It's twice again in the verse 9. The questions are different in verse 9. Why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Then the two more in verse 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Why? 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 Self-examination. The psalmist is 
asking these questions to his own soul. He's giving this examination of his own heart, and he's not ignoring how he is. He's not ignoring how he's feeling. He's not ignoring his circumstances. He's facing up to it, and he's facing up to it honestly. He's dealing with the reality of how he feels, and he's saying, I'm cast down. Why? Why am I cast down? That's an honest question. That's the honest prayer that he came before the Lord with. Why am I cast down? Why am I disquieted? Why do I feel forgotten? Why do I go a mourning? Why am I oppressed by the enemy? He's not glossing over any of this. He's openly and honestly getting before the Lord and pouring out his soul before the Lord and telling the Lord about the state of his heart. And even in doing that, he's finding it hard to get through to the Lord. But he's telling the Lord exactly how he feels and all about his troubles. And you know, the devil has no mercy. In the midst of all of this experience, how downcast he's feeling, the devil attacks him. At that low ebb, at that point of darkness, the devil comes with his attack and he uses there the scorn of the world. And you notice there in verse 3, further quest, a further question there. My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? Verse 10, it's put a little differently. As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? It was going into him like a sword. He said it continually. They said it on a daily basis. Where is thy God? You know the world loves that question. The ungodly world loves that question. Whenever all of those things begin to happen and those world events begin to unfold, they come to the believer with the question, Why? And where is the Lord? Where is your God now? People are starving. Wars are taking place. Disasters are occurring. Where is thy God? Doesn't the world love to ask that question? Maybe even for the Christian who's going through that time of suffering, that bitter experience and anguish of soul, and the world would say to them, Where is thy God? Where is thy God? You know, there's an answer. And the answer is that the Lord is where he always is, the Lord is on the throne. The Lord is still in complete control. There's nothing that will unfold in this world or in the heart and life of the believer where the Lord would be taken by surprise. The Lord knows all things. And as Kuiper experienced and he penned the words, God moves in a mysterious way. And sometimes it's a mystery to us 
But you could think of the worst atrocity that ever took place. You could think of the worst injustice that ever took place. And that was Calvary. The death of God's dear Son. We asked the question in relating to Calvary, where was the Lord? Where was the Lord when it came to the worst atrocity? Where was the Lord when it came there to the worst injustice ever? God's sinless, spotless Lamb was slain upon Calvary. Do you know what tells us in Acts 2 and 23 that it all took place by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God? God knew all about it. It took place by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. And so that's where the Lord always is. It's his determinate counsel and foreknowledge, whether it be Calvary, whether it be world events, whether it be the suffering of the Christian in their own individual lives, that's where the Lord is. In his infinite wisdom, as events unfold, the Lord is in control. You know, those world events should serve as a wake-up call to the unconverted. The Lord allowing such things to take place ought to be that warning, that reminder of how fragile life is and how quickly and how suddenly we could be swept away into eternity. There's a wake-up call there. Prepare to meet thy God. So the psalmist here was examining his own heart. He was asking the question, why? And the world was asking the question, where is the Lord? But I want you to come in the third place to the example of the psalmist. And there in that 11th verse, the words that we have already made reference to in the second part of the verse 11, hope thou in God for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. The psalmist gives wonderful counsel to his own soul. He was speaking to his own soul and he was asking his soul, why art thou cast down? And then he said to his soul, Hope thou in God. He knew the answer. He refused to give way to despair. And that hope, you see, was an anchor for his soul. It wasn't an empty false hope. It wasn't just wishful thinking. It was in truth. It was in reality. He could hold on to the Lord in his time of anguish and distress. You notice through the psalm how he refers to the Lord. Given the experience that he was going through and we've sought to outline that to you, but yet through it all he was holding on to the Lord because in verse 2, in the midst of his spiritual drought and the thirsting of his soul, he said, my soul thirsteth for God. Then he said, for the living God. He knew that God was the only true and living God. 
God was the one who had given him life, was the very source of his life. He's the living God. Verse 5, notice how he referred to the Lord. He said, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help, the help of his countenance. You see, the Lord is the living God, and the Lord is our helper. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And the psalmist knew here, in the midst of his trouble, he's still the living God, and he's still the one who can help me. When you look in verse 8 of the psalm, it says, Yet the Lord, and that title Lord there, is the title Jehovah, the great creator, the almighty, the one who is sovereign. He looked to the Lord in that way as he prayed. The end of verse 8, he says, In my prayer came unto the God of my life. He's the living God. He's the God who helps. He's the Lord Jehovah. He's the God of my life. And in verse 9, you can see, he said, I will say unto God, my rock. The Lord was his rock. He might have been sitting there on a little hill in the midst of Jordan, Mizar. But that wasn't his refuge or his defense. He said, the Lord, the Lord is my rock. You can see the example of the psalmist here in the midst of all of his troubles. At the very end of the psalm, he refers to the Lord who is the health of my countenance, and he's my God. You can see the psalmist's view of the Lord. You can see how he, he was trusting the Lord even though he couldn't understand all that was taking place in his life. And he's an example to us in times of distress. Hold on to the Lord. You couldn't read the psalm without seeing something of the Savior being reminded of the Savior. There's echoes of the Lord here. He talked about the thirsty soul, and yet in the Beatitudes the Lord said, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The Lord is able to satisfy the longing soul. He's able to fill the hungry soul with goodness. Do you remember in John's Gospel, in the chapter 7, the Lord cried out, If any man thirst." Let him come on to me. Oh, there's a draft of living water there. Do you remember the Savior upon the cross and the cries that came from the cross? And one of those cries from the Savior was, I thirst. The Lord took our place. The Lord bore our punishment there upon the tree and he thirsted so that we would have our thirst quenched and satisfied in him. As he hung upon the tree, he was forsaken of the Lord. In the Psalm 42, we have read, Why hast thou forgotten me? And from the cross, uh, the Savior with Psalm 22 said, My God, my God, why? He asked the question, why? Why hast thou forsaken me? 
God the Son was forsaken of God the Father so that we would never be forsaken. The Lord can say to his people, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Thirsty soul today, come to the Lord Jesus Christ. A believer who's going through that difficulty and that bitter experience and your soul today is thirsty, that soul can be satisfied in the Savior. And of course, we can look forward to glory when that will be satisfied in full, will hunger no more and will thirst no more. We have that great hope before us. Hope thy in God. For the unbeliever, your soul is still craving. Your soul is still thirsting, can I say it, will never be satisfied with the things of this world. It will only be satisfied in coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you were to continue rejecting the Lord and you go out into eternity rejecting the Lord, you'll thirst for all eternity in hell. You remember the rich man in hell. He cried out. He pleaded. And he said, send Lazarus. That he would just dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. The thirst of torment and hell for all eternity. We say to you, unsaved soul, hope thy in God. Follow the example of the psalmist. And may we know that hope to be as an anchor for our souls that is both sure and steadfast. May the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts this morning.